Walk in Your Excellence. I'm your host, Sean Lowry, and thanks for listening to this week's episode of Walk in Your Excellence. I'm a firm believer that if you don't experience failure, you will never know what success feels like. Every amazing individual has had to overcome obstacles. And when I think of overcoming, I think of one of my favorite authors, Zora Neale Hurston, because her words reflect perseverance. Her work during the Harlem Renaissance is remarkable. All four of her grandparents were born into slavery, and one of her most famous novels, Their Eyes Were Watching God, is read by millions of students across school systems today. One of my favorite quotes by her is, I have been in sorrow's kitchen and licked out of all the pots. Then I have stood on the peaky mountain, wrapped in rainbows with a harp and sword in my hands. Listen to those words. What an inspiring juxtaposition she creates with those words. I said he saw the best in me. My next guest is living proof of the words spoken by Zora Neale Hurston. He is going to talk about how his sorrow has pushed him to stand on mountains with a sword in his hand. Kenny Jones will undoubtedly be one of your favorite guests this season. He is an author, an entrepreneur, a book coach, a motivational speaker, and so much more. He was featured in Ebony's 30 Young Leaders Under 30. He has worked at some of the most prestigious universities in this country and specializes in helping others through the healing process. But I can't tell it better than he can. Let's welcome Kenny Jones to the show. Oh my gosh. <laughs> thank you so much, Sean. I'm so excited to be no, here. Thank you. Thank you. Like I asked all my my guest, Kenny, like you have done so much in your few short years here on earth. Mm-hmm. Tell us who Kenny is. Oh my gosh. You know, it's interesting that when I get that question, what I come up with, mm-hmm. there's so many different things that come with me. Um, I am a entrepreneur. I'm a book coach, as you said, but I'm also a human that has made a lot of mistakes. Mm. Um, I was raised, I was born in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. You may not know about Norfolk, but it's pretty much a military town. Mm-hmm. Missy Elliott is from that space. Mm-hmm. Alan Iverson is from there. Um, and I was a first generation college student yeah. and went on to college on my own at 18 mm-hmm. and did not know what to do about that and figured out a whole bunch of different things when it came to that. And so all of these sort of experiences make me who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, I'm a business person. Yes, I'm an entrepreneur. Yes, I'm a book coach. Yes, I'm an author, but I'm also a friend, mm-hmm. um, a human mm-hmm. and somebody who is just making it through life every yeah. day. You know, one of the things that I struggle with, and I'm glad that you said like the word friend is really making me think. Last night I had an amazing opportunity to spend uh, a birthday celebration with one of my best friends, mm-hmm. and I've noticed recently how much time I don't spend with the most like cherished people in my life, yeah. which is really, really difficult. And like yourself, you know, I have a lot going on. You sound like you have way more going <laughs> on than me. How do you find <laughs> the time to like still be the friend? Like you mentioned, you're the book coach, the life coach yeah. and all this stuff. Yeah. How do you make time for like your squad? That's a, a great question. I just make time. I make yeah. time for what I want to make time for. And mm-hmm. there was a lot of times in my life that I did not do well at that. And so you're not alone mm-hmm. in that struggle and yeah. trying to figure out, like, how do I make that time? But I promise you, everyone has 24 hours. And mm-hmm. even if you're asleep for eight of them, I sleep for, like, four. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the time that you have in a day, you make time for them. So yeah. even if it's a quick text to just say good morning or I'm thinking about you or I hope you have a great day, that takes like 30 seconds out your day. Yeah. And then I like being able to balance, you know, my friends balance me mm. I, and, and 
if I did not have them, yeah. I would probably go ballistic. So, yeah. yeah, friends, I just make time for them no matter what I'm yeah. doing. Yeah, it sounds great. You said it better than me. I would say my friends humble me for sure. <laughs> um, definitely balance. You know, tell me when I'm wrong. Tell me when I'm right, which is great. And, I, you know, I, that makes me makes me think of the retreat I just left with my with other principals from across right. the country. This wonderful, amazing woman, Jessica Cunningham, she works for um, the KIPP Foundation. Mm-hmm. She said, like, the one thing that she wants to give us as, like, the golden nugget walking away from this retreat was keep your squad close Mm -hmm. like don't Mm -hmm. sacrifice those brunches don't sacrifice the birthday party no matter how tired you are don't sacrifice those moments and like it really resonated with me because I know how life like how short life is uh, and you really do have to maximize on every moment that you have with the people closest to you so thank you for sharing that I want to hear more I know you touched a little bit about Norfolk and about your childhood but I think our experiences as children like directly impact how we make decisions, how we perceive the world, yeah. et cetera, mm-hmm. um, how we feel about relationships, how we like interact in relationships. Mm-hmm. Reflect a little bit on your childhood and how that has contributed to making the Kenny Jones we see today. Mm. <laughs> I'm taking you there. Yeah, you are taking <laughs> me there. <clears throat> childhood sucked mm. for me. I was raised by two incredible women. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom and my grandmother. So my mother was the only child, so I don't have aunts and uncles and cousins and nothing gotcha. like that. However, you know, my mother got pregnant with me at a young age, and it forced her to drop out of high school. So she didn't go to college and didn't have the skills to be able to get any jobs that would pay her what she needed to be able to take care of me. Mm. Um, so that meant she um, had to figure it out. And I had to figure it out as well. So growing up on welfare and, you know, being picked on because I didn't have the nice shoes or the nice clothes that everybody else had. Um, And I also struggled with my sexuality, being gay and all Mm -hmm. of that. Um, It was tough being bullied and still trying to find my space. Mm -hmm. Although I had those horrible experiences, I also had some incredible experiences that brought me to the person I am today. Um, And namely, the the space that my mother created in the house, Mm. Um, although things were going on outside the house that I would dare tell my mother about, because my mom's crazy, so I don't (laughs) know. She she created a really awesome space in our home. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I also didn't meet my father till I was 22 years old. Wow. And I learned later that my mother did not want me to meet him because of his life. When he was young, he was a drug dealer, and mm-hmm. she was like, I'm not going to have my son around that. Right. Um, so it took a while for me to find the space to be like, Mom, who is my father? So all of that really has a lot to do with how I think yeah. and how I help people own their own story because I didn't want to tell nobody that. I was ashamed of it. And I wanted everybody to see all the positive things of me. Um, But my childhood was literally the reason why I'm the person I am today. Yeah, tell me about that first moment when you you met your dad. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, my God. I I know that we'll probably talk about this later, but I I wrote a a book, Mm -hmm. and there's a chapter in it called Winter is Coming. Yeah, wow. And Winter is Coming... Obviously, um, people who watch Game of Thrones know that that is a that's like mm-hmm. the hashtag. But for me, um, I met my father the winter of 2002. Okay. And when he walked into the house, he said to me, tell me about the girls you're dating and what sports do you play? That was wow. the first thing he said to me. And I looked at him like, 
I actually am in the band and I'm talking to like three guys right now. Wow. <laughs> so, what a moment. Wow. You know, it was in the living room with my grandmother, mm-hmm. his mom, who was like, she played for my plane ticket up to Camden to meet them. And it was a very interesting moment. And wow. I, I looked at my dad like, I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't even mm-hmm. know how to even feel right now. Yeah. Um, another defining moment in my life. For sure, yeah. for sure. Do you, do you have a relationship with them now or? I did. Okay. Um, my father passed away in 2012, so I had Sorry 10 that. years, thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> I had 10 years of the relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I learned after he passed was I held on to so much anger mm. that I never said anything to him. And the the time that I was able to probably say something about that, he was on his deathbed. He wow. couldn't speak. He was on morphine. And I immediately regretted not being able to show my anger to him. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Wow. And you got me tearing up over here, Kenny. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna. Uh, thank you for sharing, sharing that. I know um, how difficult it is, obviously. To I've never had a relationship with my father either, mm-hmm. um, and so it's always interesting to hear other people's journey and how that has affected them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, both positive and negative, mm-hmm. um, but nonetheless, it does like contribute to who we are as human beings and makes it makes us even more resilient and more perseverant. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. just your story alone is inspiring. And I know that you have many more inspiring stories uh, yeah. that I want to talk about, okay. uh, particularly one that is of the physical nature <laughs> that I can see. Now, you know, it's it's the beginning of 2018, yeah. and everybody, you know, New Year's resolutions and personal professional goals, New Year, New Me, mm-hmm. you know, everyone is on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, mm-hmm. highlighting all the amazing things they're going to accomplish, right? Right. And then we find ourselves in April. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not accomplishing any of the like, things we oh, set for. It's April. Yeah, and I haven't actually gone to the gym. Oh, it's April, and I actually didn't change my diet. Oh, I still hate my job. Um, and so <laughs> I am just astonished by people who actually make commitments. And I'm not going to lie, I have been there, both mm-hmm. on the positive and the negative. 2017, I slayed that year. No shade mm-hmm. to anybody else. I woke up on December 31st, 2016, created my vision board. I had my first annual vision board party with my friends, and literally 2017 uh, revolutionized my life um, in such a profound way. And so I I walked into 2018 in that greatness as well. Yeah. Um, But you are you're someone who, like, people have set this goal that you've accomplished Mm -hmm. year and year and year and year after year. Mm -hmm. Like my mother alone. Every time I see her, she's like, "Yeah, I lost two pounds, ma." You say that every time you see me, and I don't see a single pound shed from your body. Oh, my gosh. Kenny, you lost over 153 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. I mean, millions of people want to know how you did it. So please talk to us about that journey. Oh, man. Wow. The weight loss journey is, is like you said, something that we all struggle with. Mm-hmm. We all struggle with vanity and yeah. comparing our behind Especially the scenes. Especially in this society. Yeah. Like, if you're not, if you don't look a certain way, your hair's Listen, not a certain way. Like, yeah. And dating and all of that. Yeah, uh, you know, and one thing that I, I kept doing was comparing my behind the scenes to everybody else's movie. And I say mm. that a lot. Like, I know what's going on with me. And then I see what everybody else is putting out there. Mm. And so because I felt like, oh, I'm a failure or whatever, then I just was like, "Mm, 
I need to start thinking about my own stuff and how I was going to become a healthier me. Um, so at one point, I was 373 pounds. Wow. I know, and I didn't even know that. It was I was I'm I'm sort of mad at all my friends because like y'all let me walk around. <laughs> well, I guess you're talking to me yeah, too. Yeah, I'm talking I mean. to you. <laughs> y'all let me walk around being 373 whole African American pounds, and like nobody said anything. But you know what the beautiful thing about that moment was yeah. is that I didn't see myself as a barrier or my weight as a barrier. Mm-hmm. Like it was like who and I we was. We didn't either, though. Right. That's I think. That's and that's my whole point. It's about how you see yourself in the world Mm. right so sure I had woken up some years like I need to lose weight I need to lose weight right but it was um in 2011 I went to the doctor Mm -hmm. and my doctor said that we're gonna have to put you on blood pressure pills if you don't lose weight and I'm like I'm like 31 years old I can't I can't be on nobody's blood pressure pills right so um and then I started to try to do things like CrossFit, but it, it wasn't working. Yeah. Um, and I would try to eat right, and it wasn't working. And then my father passed, and he was almost 400 pounds. Wow. And then, so that made me be like, I need to do something. Yeah. Um, and so I started to make better decisions. I got uh, a nutritionist okay. that helped me figure out how to eat better. I went to counseling okay. to figure out my relationship with food. Um mm. Yeah, I did the the taboo stuff that yeah, people Yeah, cuz you know don't. black people, right? Like you just me hearing you say that. Right. It's like no one's going to like nobody black people thinks don't do about that. that. Cuz people what we do is we wake up and be like I got to go to the gym. Especially like a relationship with food, like the way you phrase that. Yeah, I had a relationship with food. It was literally my husband. Wow. Yeah, like I would go to it every time I felt bad. Did or, you discover that through counseling? Yeah. Yeah, I discovered that through counseling. Mm-hmm. And remember, like, you know, growing up in the hood, there's no, like... Whole Foods. Whole Foods, like Wegmans. Foods, we didn't yeah. have that other stuff. We had Thomas Market. Like Your mama C-Town, sent you. Exactly. Pioneer, right. The bodega. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no food. Like, For sure. So when I would, like, get bullied, I would run to this store and get chips of ice honey bun and oh, a quarter juicy and Lord. be good. Or go to the frozen cup lady and get one of them red frozen cups with the yeah. syrup at the top. Like, you, you know... You that <laughs> <laughs> but that had always been my yeah my comfort mm. even in my adult life when i was going through issues or i was having an argument i would eat ice cream and stuff like that so i had a wow. relationship with food and i had to deal with that and so then after i got with that I, I i started to be okay with losing the weight but i still wasn't losing it in the way that i wanted to mm-hmm. so i started doing research on uh surgeries and then decided to have a surgery. Mm. Um, and I knew that people were going to be like, okay, well, you're not doing it the natural way. And I want to say to people who think that it may not be natural, but you have to figure out what works best for you. Right. And right. for me, right. that was the best step. And I, I researched the type. There's three different types of bariatric surgeons, that mm. surgeries that people get. I figured out the one that was best for me. Mm. And I remember waking up from that surgery feeling like I did a million crunches. Wow. Like my stomach felt like crap. And I immediately was like, oh, my God, what did I do to myself? But I knew that it wasn't a fix-all. It was a tool. Mm -hmm. So I still needed to go to the gym. I still needed to eat right. I still needed to be taking my vitamins and be able to commit. Because there's people who have had surgeries that gained all of the weight back. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. So in August 2015, I decided to uh, undergo a gastric um, 
sleeve surgery mm -hmm. that has helped me and changed my life. Nice. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so many people definitely need to hear that. And like you put it really well and like it's their journey. Yeah. Like no one sees the behind the scenes, right. like you said. Uh, and it's important that people know that. Um, and you mentioned just not being held back by your weight. And that makes me think of of my experience when you invited me to be a part of the step team uh, <laughs> in, in DC when I was a fresh out of college, didn't know anything, moved to a brand new city mm -hmm. alone, mm -hmm. um, and you took me in. Yeah. And it's those years around 20, 2010, 2011 that you're talking about where you and I spent a lot of conversation about so many life things that I just need to know mm -hmm. as a 20, 21 year old. <laughs> and you could step, Kenny, <laughs> your butt off. like. <laughs> Oh, man. You still are the the best stepper in all of our fraternity. Oh my gosh, thank you. And I know that that there has been some intersectionality, however, with our frat and like sexuality. And I think every experience of like being a black gay man in a frat is different, mm -hmm. depending on like what chapter you're in, like what region you're in, mm -hmm. et cetera. And it's my firm belief that the brothers make up. Mm -hmm. the fraternity mm -hmm. and so it depends on like the type of person that you surround yourself with whether they're accepting or not right generally speaking like what are some of the challenges as a gay man have you faced being in a black fraternity oh well this is a point of contention for me because mm -hmm. my experience in um, a black fraternity has been up and down mm -hmm. and roller coasters and so um, another thing that I put in my book is that there's one Earth, but 7.1 billion worlds, mm. right? So everybody has a different world, right? So your world and what you allow in it is different from my world and what I allow in it and so forth and so on. Every person on Earth has their own different world. Mm. Um, so my experience um, has been horrible and mm. great at the same time. And so if I had to put it into any words... Um, I've ran into people who did not like the fact that I was gay and really used that against my experience. And I didn't even realize that until later on. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to be a brother. And I was a great brother. And I knew what I brought to Facts. the table. And I knew that I was going to be able to take this fraternity to a completely new level. Mm -hmm. But because of my sexuality, people tried to tell me no. And even when I stood up against that no, it sort of blew up in my face in ways that I didn't even expect. Mm. Um, and so it took me a long time to figure out who my brothers were mm. versus people who wore the same letters as me. Absolutely, absolutely. And so like, I, I, I know that this is probably gonna be a really touchy subject where we're about to go right now, but <laughs> I have to, we have to, yes. uh, because it is a part of your journey and it has, I think, propelled you to your greater self. Yeah. And to watch you, whether that's like, via Instagram or Snapchat or talking on the phone with you or, you know, living vicariously through your Facebook. I know that, like, you have so many amazing gifts um, and have overcome so much. Yeah. Now, yeah. I want to take us back to 2016. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something major happened in 2016. Yeah. Uh, and I know that it, it, the event that transpired, some the average person would have gone off the railings. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. literally you know, have probably contemplated suicide, maybe mm -hmm. committed suicide, mm -hmm. um, have felt like it was the end of their world, but you came back, Yeah. right? Yeah. 
comeback yeah. kid. Yeah. That's a, like you're the comeback king. Yeah. Can you walk us through what I think was probably one of your most challenging like few months of life? Oh my god. What happened and how you got through it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so I had been working at a very prestigious, an Ivy League institution, and I had been working in fraternity and sorority life, mm -hmm. and it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that there was a lack of voice for gay and LGBTQ members in black fraternities. There was no voice for it. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to uh, tell my story to advocate for others in that space. And so I told the story at another institution, um, and there was an article published without my permission. Um, and usually when I do go speak, I do ask people to, if you're going to release an article, that I please see it mm -hmm. prior to you releasing it so it could be mutually beneficial for both parties. For sure. So the article happens, and the article named all the people and all the sort of the institution where I worked and the school that I went to and just named it. And as you know, mm. um, in black fraternity world, if you do that, that is like a no-no. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't even realize that the people who wrote this article had tweeted it out and then people had gotten a hold of it and then it just spread like wildfire. Mm. Um, and so much so that, you know, I was called a liar and I was called a perp. Mm. I was called all of these things. Um, and in addition to that, I had um, been in a private battle with the institution that I had been working on my PhD with, mm -hmm. for which they waited until after I defended my dissertation mm. to say to me that there was an issue. Obviously, I did not want to tell the world mm -hmm. that there was an issue with my dissertation because I thought I was going to be able to privately handle it. Right. But this article, the timing of it was just so bad. So that issue sort of came up again. Yeah. Um, so the article said that you were not a doctor. Correct. Got it. So that's because somebody contacted them and said that I had not finished the actual process, mm -hmm. whereas it was communicated to me that once you pass your defense, your dissertation defense, that you're done. All mm -hmm. it is is some sort of back checks, and you're fine. Um, and I had never been through the process before, so I'm right. like, I'm done, mm -hmm. right? So um, anyway, so when the articles came out and they were saying all of these things about me, I, I shut down mm -hmm. because everybody was like, oh, you're a fake, you're a phony, how dare you, you did this, you did that. And I said... Everybody just, in my head, everybody just hold on. Everyone knows the truth about what's, what's, what happened to me, not only in my undergrad time, but also with my PhD. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I did not divulge was the issue that happened after my defense, which I own. Mm -hmm. And that was the hardest thing to do, is to own mm -hmm. the things that I did that created this whole mess in the first place because I was somebody who always used to put out in social media all this positive stuff, right? right? And then... The institution that I worked at got a hold of the article, and it, everything just sort of blew up. Yeah. I lost my job. I lost a lot of quote-unquote friends. Mm -hmm. um, I lost a lot of people. Yeah. It was the most devastating moment of my life. Yeah. I would come home, and I would go to sleep, and then I would wake up to like 300 text messages mm. every single day. And everybody wanted to like, well, let's hear your side. Let's hear your side. But I was like, nope. No, because the people who know me already know my side. Mm -hmm. And I needed to not say anything for a couple of reasons. A, it was happening for a reason. B, I wanted to know who would advocate for me. Mm -hmm. And C, 
this was a sign from life that that part of my life was over. Yeah. Because my, as you as you said, my whole life was surrounded in that space. And then I let it all go. I just let it go. I went to therapy again because of it, and I re- realized that this is something minute. The mm-hmm. world is bigger than this situation. Yeah. Because I had put so much power in other people that it impacted me so much. Then I was like, I'm going to take my power back, and I'm mm-hmm. just going to come back from this, and I'm going to change other people's lives to let them know that you can embrace your own story. You can figure out who you are and stand in that, and you don't need anybody to give you permission to do it. Right. And so here I am. Yeah. And as a result of all that, you published a book. Yep. And it, it, it entails a lot of like your story. Absolutely. And like you're using your story to empower others. Tell us a little bit about your book. So, yeah, uh, the book, funny, would not have been written had in 2016 happened. Mm. Um, I realized that I had come back from so much other things that people didn't know because it wasn't on social media. Gotcha. Right? And I had so many secrets of people. Right, that were saying horrible things about me that was not on social media. Mm. So I wrote a book called Comeback Season, yeah. The Untapped Art of Mastering Your Resilience. Yeah. Um, because it was a, it was resilience is an untapped thing. Um, people don't know how resilient they are because they don't tell people that they're going through anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because my quote unquote fall from grace was so public, I'm like, I'm going to respond in a public way. Yeah. And I'm gonna write a book. So the book chronicles every single solitary situation that has I've come back from mm-hmm. and how I came back from it, including mm-hmm. 2016. There's yeah. a section in a book called 2016 mm-hmm. that outlines what happened and how I decided to handle it. Yeah. So, and it became an international bestseller in two weeks, which I'm Congrats. I was floored yeah. by because I, I do think people are just nosy sometimes, and that's okay. Yeah, you know, and I'm okay with you being nosy, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to utilize that in a way that not only heals me, mm-hmm. but heals others. Yeah. And so, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that story in your book. Uh, I know it was very inspiring for me. I was at your book signing a yeah. couple months ago, and just to see all the people who came out to support you, to see how uh, of an organized and amazing event it was. Um, the singers, the violinists, yeah. like you really did it up. Thank um, you. Thank and, you. and I'm happy that that book is now going to be the source of comeback for a lot of other people. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me three words to describe you. Just three? Just three. Ah, I know it's hard. That's not fair. <laughs> so many words in an English dictionary. <laughs> um, I'm healed. Okay. Resilient. Mm-hmm. I'm a doer. Nice. Healed, resilient, and a doer. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And is, if there's, is there something in your life that you regret? Mmm. Mmm. I have a couple regrets, Mm -hmm. one being never being able to say out loud to my father how mad I was at him Mm -hmm. for not ever trying to look for me or like going even past my mom to find me. Mm -hmm. Um, I never said that to him until he couldn't speak back. And that has changed the trajectory of how I treat people. Mm -hmm. So I don't allow people in my world that I can't be upfront and honest about. And I struggled with that for a very long time. Yeah. That's the only regret I have. Yeah. I don't regret the decisions that I've made mm-hmm. in my past because they are why 
I am who today. I am today. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. And tell us how you walk in your excellence every day. Ah, <laughs> I love that. I, you know, one of the things that I, I'm again super honored to be here and being oh, able to speak you. about walking in excellence because there's so many comeback stories walking around here mm-hmm. that people don't know about mm-hmm. because we don't know how to walk in our excellence. In order to walk in your excellence, in my opinion, you have to walk in your filth, too. Mm. You gotta walk in it, because no one knows you're excellent if they don't have anything to compare it to. Wow. Right? So the way, whatever your filth is, Mm -hmm. you got to stand in that thing, and I learned that. And although, you know, people who were in my corner and all of the situations that I've gone through, Mm They were like, well, are you going to say something? And I'm like, I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared to say something. But then I was like, you know what? Everybody has filth. Mm-hmm. So um, the way that I walk in my excellence every day is I show up. Yeah. Ugly, scarred, yeah. you knowing the story, you having your own opinion, but I have my own opinion about my own story too. I love and it. I'm going to walk in my excellence I love in it. that space. I love it. Thank you for that. Tell us where we can find you, Kenny. Uh, you can find me everywhere. <laughs> um, so if you uh, want to get in touch with me, there's a lot of different ways. I have a website, www.kjspeakseasy.com, um, where you can just you can also order my book on my website. You could see what I'm doing. I'm speaking now. I'm helping other people bounce back from very even more horrific situations that I've been through. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been mm-hmm. there's like there's people, my clients, a couple of my clients have been through. When you hear their stories, you're like, 2016 was nothing compared mm-hmm. to what these people have gone mm-hmm. through. So, uh, my website, I'm on Facebook, Kenny Jones. And then if you are on Instagram, KJ Speaks Easy, all one word. And Twitter is KJ underscore Speaks Easy. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kenny, for coming in and sharing that story with us. I know so many lives have been touched. Thank you so much. Of course. Kenny Jones, the author, inspiration, the comeback. King. Thanks for listening in. This is your host, Sean Larry. Until next episode, define who you are, follow your passion, speak your truth, be unapologetically you, and remember always walk in your excellence. Walk in Your Excellence is recorded at Necessary Studios in New York City. Produced by myself, Maya, and Nikki. Follow us on Instagram at NEC Studios. I'm your host, Sean Larry. You can find me on Instagram at Formula22 at Walk in Your Excellence. Tag the hashtag Walk in Your Excellence and visit my website, www.seanlarry.com. That's S-E-A-N-L-A-R-R-Y. Define who you are, follow your passion, speak your truth, be unapologetically you, and always remember to walk in your excellence. Your excellence.